This is Against the Norm with Nick Craig. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com. That's atnshow.com, where you can get both our podcast as well as the video version of the show each and every week. And uh, anything else you can find at the website, atnshow.com. Well, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. Allergy season is in uh, is in full effect across the uh, southeastern part of North Carolina. So apologies for sounding a, a bit congested and nasally this uh, this evening. But uh, hey, it's the reality. But see, I thought about not even doing a show. And some of you say, well, well why? Because why? allergies? No. Because all of our problems are solved. What? All of our problems are solved. We got the stimulus. I got my stimulus check. I got my fourteen hundred dollars. There's no reason to. There's no more reason to do a radio show. There's no reason to talk about things anymore. The Democrats ran in 2020. Uh, excuse me, with the Senate primaries in 2020, that um, if they won, they were going to give every American two thousand dollars, and that somehow was going to solve all of our problems. Well, they've done it. We got our six hundred dollars a couple couple months ago. Fourteen hundred dollars is starting to be hit, uh, starting to hit bank accounts. It hit mine over the weekend. So everything is solved, right? I mean, it's a valid question to ask. Is this money good? Is this money life changing? I hope not. I mean, it's just it's. I mean, the average rent in America is. I was looking it up over the weekend. It was either seven fifty or eight fifty. Is the average rent across the United States. So maybe if you're lucky, two months of rent, that's it. Just rent. No food, no utilities, nothing else. Just rent. Are these things ever going to stop? I mean, to me, it seems like if I were the Biden administration, I would just keep these things rolling out. I mean, they've got the votes. They've got the Democrat votes they need to pretty much do whatever they want. That's our fault for uh, the joke of a Senate primaries that uh, Senate uh, uh, special elections that we had back in January. That's our fault. But why should this stop? I mean, this is this is exactly what the left wants. This is exactly what the left needs to stay in power. But you look at the welfare system, the welfare state that the United States has become, it's choreographed. It's perfect. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Keep people needing the federal government. That was never the, I mean, you know, I... Uh, wasn't back in the founding of the country. I'm not not quite that old, but I don't believe that was ever the intention. That was ever the goal. Was that hey, you're just going to be able to live off of the government. Now, unlike some more conservative-minded individuals, and I'm pretty conservative, but I don't inherently have a problem with unemployment. I don't inherently have a problem with some sort of government assistance. 
I know that's not a popular opinion, and I'm sure the libertarians out there are. Oh, you know, no, you're you're not a you're not a conservative. You're not a libertarian. Things change, right? Things change. So no, I'm not inherently against those things. What I am against is those systems being abused. Those systems not being used for their original purpose. I think, and this is a, this is a shot at Trump and his administration, I think the idea of the stimulus check was a terrible idea. Now, I'm talking from a, and, and my information, my opinion could be wrong, right? That's why it's an opinion. I didn't, fortunately, didn't lose my job during COVID. I didn't have any financial struggles during COVID. So let me put that out there. I'm, gonna, I'm very transparent. I'm not trying to sit here and, and, and try to act like I'm the Messiah or anything like that. So I didn't have any financial issues during COVID. But the idea of just giving away money to everybody, no matter what, to me seemed really stupid. The federal government was and is still in some cases giving an extra three or four hundred dollars a week on unemployment. So if you're on unemployment, you're some people are making a thousand dollars a week on unemployment, which I mean is more than I make. I don't make a thousand dollars a week. But that's what they're making on unemployment. So to me, and again, it's easy to sit here and Monday morning and armchair quarterback it. It's fine, but it's what I think. That's where the money should have gone. I mean, I, I understand why the Trump administration did it. I understand why Steve Mnuchin and, and, the, and the Treasury did it. I understand it. But I think it just set a really bad uh, precedent going forward. I mean, it set, it set a ball rolling down the hill that, that I don't like and I know a lot of people don't like. You just get, I mean, you're just giving money to, to, to everybody. I mean, I, I know people that should not be getting a stimulus check. They got a big fat stimulus check. They do not need the money. I don't need the money. Am I going to go and burn it in the street? No. But I mean, my life hasn't been affected by COVID. It hasn't. I, I didn't file for any sort of government assistance. I didn't apply for anything. I filed my taxes. They could see how much money I made in 2020. Why am I getting a check? And it's a valid question to ask. Why am I getting a check? Why are you getting a check? Because the Democrats promised you $2,000? Couldn't that $1.9 trillion, which by the way, only like 9% of it is actually going to COVID, wouldn't that money be better spent propping up businesses? Wouldn't that money be better spent doing things uh, or given to the state for, for them to figure out where that money is you know, more directly needed? It, just to me, the whole idea of a stimulus check since the beginning has been stupid. I don't think it's really helped people at all again because the you look over 
you know, at this point, a year, people got what? Three thousand dollars, thirty five hundred bucks over over a year. And I'm not I'm not poo pooing that dollar figure because I understand for a lot of people, myself included, I mean, fourteen hundred bucks a lot of money. But but why did I get it? COVID relief, okay, relief from what? I didn't lose a job. I didn't file for any sort of government assistance. I've been able to pay my mortgage. I pay all my utilities. I, I have food. I'm fortunate. It's not given to me. I bust my ass for it. So why was I, why was I given a check? Why were you given a check? It's pandering. And for some people, they're so stupid <laughs> that they think that this is somehow, uh, uh, this is going to change their life. And they're jumping for joy at $1,400. The government has crippled, federal and state governments have crippled local businesses, local economies for a year. It was a year on the 11th. Crippled economies for a year. And there you are again, as the government throws you a peanut and you're so excited. You can't get enough of it. It's pathetic. It's sad. And it shows the real state of affairs that, that, that we're in. It shows the real situation. It shows exactly what's going on. I mean, I donated my first stimulus check. I donated it to a charity here in Wilmington that was uh, feeding, um, that they were, they, asked, they were asking for donations so that they could buy food at local restaurants to feed nurses. So it was kind of a double-edged sword. They were able to pump money into local businesses and they were able to feed people that were working crazy hours over at uh, New Hanover. And I'm not saying that because I want some pat on the back. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. So ask yourself this. What did you do to deserve a stimulus check, right? There's nothing in the Constitution that gives you that right. Why did you deserve a stimulus check? Now, some people, if, if, you, were, if you were affected by COVID, absolutely. But if you were affected by COVID, you had already filed for unemployment. And you were already getting an incredible bonus from the federal government some cases three or four hundred dollars a week additional on top of unemployment just think about that during the break this is against the norm my name is nick craig stick with us Welcome back to the program. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you so much for joining me. You can visit our website, atnshow.com. That's atnshow.com. So, I mean, I don't want to lament over the whole uh, the, the whole relief package thing too much. It's a terrible deal. The money is, is, is the government just, I mean, it's the most egregious uh, form of, of pa- it's, I, I can't even put into words. I mean, people are Literally freaking out over $1,400, freaking out over $600. Was it 900 the time before that? I mean, it's just, these are, again, if you're, if you're an adult and you have bills to pay, I, I don't see how this money to you is life-changing. I mean, my monthly expenses are well beyond $1,400 a month. And again, if you were affected by COVID and lost your job, you were already making a whole bunch of money on unemployment. Most people, now there are certain situations and that's fine. 
those should have been dealt with. I agree. This whole blanket giving money to everybody is stupid. It's 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 frankly stupid. Um. So, but 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 we'll we'll leave that there. We'll leave that conversation for uh, for another time. So, um, North Carolina. Uh, Roy Cooper came out. Was it at this point three four weeks ago and said, "Hey, we need to get schools reopened." The state legislature said, "Okay, great. We'll put a put a bill on your desk and do that." He vetoed the bill because he's an idiot. Um. I mean, to be frank, I mean, he vetoed the bill. And then all of a sudden we get an emergency, well, not an emergency, but a, a, a press conference. Uh, it was at 11 a.m. on uh, t- Monday or Tuesday. And uh, the governor's out there and um, there is an agreement that had been met. Let's, uh, let's listen into a minute of that. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all on this absolutely beautiful North Carolina day. When this pandemic seized our state a year ago, one of the hardest decisions we made was to close our schools to children and to put them in remote learning. Even though it saved lives and was the right thing to do, it hurt. See, that I don't agree with. It saved lives and it was the right thing to do. The science doesn't back that up. The science doesn't back up the idea that kids in schools would have. Now, did it save a life? Oh, I'm sure. Right. Can you point to one situation? Absolutely. But this notion that this had to be done to save lives is, I think, false. And there's no science to back it up. If somebody has it, I'd love to see it. But the science just doesn't. It, it, the science isn't there. Even though it saved lives and was the right thing to do. It hurt. It hurt the parents who couldn't go to work. The teachers missed interacting with their students in person. It hurt the sports teams, the clubs, the activities, the fabric of our communities. Most of all, it hurt the children. Oh, there you go. Who, despite the heroic efforts of teachers and parents. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. The heroic effort of teachers. I'm out on an island on my by myself with this. This idea that teachers, people that chose for their profession to teach children, right? This is what they chose. This was not a government assigned job. They were kids at one point. They went through school. Then they went to college, became teachers, and then went back and started teaching. They chose this career field. They chose this career path. This idea that these people are heroic and so brave is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. What have teachers done to do? What have teachers done over the past year that has been so brave? Sat at home on Zoom classes? What is so heroic that they were forced to do their job? And I, you can even you can even make the argument that they weren't doing their job. If you look at the, the failure rates all across the country. What is this notion that teachers are somehow the, the, the most heroic group in all of this? Yet this entire time COVID's been going on, people that work at 
grocery stores, uh, Walmarts, Targets, uh, auto auto shops like AutoZone and, and, and O'Reilly Auto Parts, all those places, any other business that's been open this entire time. How about the HVAC people that are doing that? Plumbers, every other group that had to continue to do their job no matter what. There's no mention, but it's oh, every single time that we have this conversation about schools, it's, oh my God, these heroic teachers, these people are so brave. Why? <laughs> I mean, and every time you hear any conversations, oh, with no disrespect to teachers, what do you mean with no disrespect? It's their, it's their job. And you have a job to do. How are you brave? How are you heroic? Heroic effort of what? 30 or 40% of kids failing more than two classes? Oh, that's really heroic. Despite the heroic efforts of teachers Give me and a parents break. with remote education, weren't able to learn, grow, and thrive the way we know that they should. More than a month ago, I stood up and strongly urged that students get back into the classroom. Legislators introduced bills and health officials help schools plan to go back safely. And slowly but surely, the students are getting back into the classroom. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Governor Cooper. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Only uh, well, months too late. So, uh, so here's the deal. Um, elementary schools are uh, going to be forced to follow Plan A, which requires in person uh, or you know in school learning great now again going back to what he said well let, let, let me cover this first then i'll go over my grievances so that's the case for uh, elementary schools for middle school and high schoolers the districts individual districts get to decide whether they follow plan a or plan b plan a is all in person you know some sort of distancing, I don't know, whatever. It's all in person. Plan B is a hybrid. I think they have to be there three days a week, something like that. So districts will have a decision on that. Um, the districts do need to let the government, uh, the, the, you know, the state know what plan they're going to choose. And unless there is a an outbreak, they have to stick with that plan. So if they're going to pick A, they have to stick with A. Um, but let's go back to you know, a couple of the other things. Middle schoolers and high schoolers are completely different from elementary schools. Elementary schools should have been back in plan A months ago. They should have been in the classroom months ago. The left is always wanting to talk about the science. Well, the science showed that spread in children under the age of, I don't know if it was 10 or 12, but this is a CDC study, is almost non-existent. The spread is almost non-existent. Now, of course, the conversation always is, well, what if they get sick and bring it home to their grandparents? That's always going to be a threat. It's, it's going to be a threat now, too. I mean, it's no different. It's no different. Now, everybody wants to talk about the vaccines. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But why did this take so long? I mean, why did this take so long? And how is it, and again, I just, I can't seem to get this out of my, my head here, this idea, this, this notion that teachers somehow are the bravest individuals that, uh, this entire time, and they've done the Lord's work over the past year. 
They've had to adapt and change just like every other industry. I mean, literally every single profession in the world has had to change the way that it conducts and does its business over the past year. And somehow every single time teachers are brought into this, it's like they have done more than any other group. While they've been able to sit home and do the most minimal amount of work teaching kids and not even teaching them because they're everybody, they're all failing. I just, it's, it's unexplainable to me, this notion. And then the teachers union, when the decisions about them going back to school come up, the teachers union has to step up and say, well, only if the teachers get bumped up in priority. So people, again, that have been working at grocery stores the entire year got pushed down a notch so that these heroic teachers that have been sitting at home in their pajamas teaching Zoom classes for the past year so they can get a vaccine. It's sickening. It's, 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 it's disgraceful. But you can't talk ill about teachers at all. You can, you, can make, you can say anything you want about any profession in the world. God forbid you talk about teachers. Can't do it. They're the protected class. You cannot criticize them. You can't say anything about them. I'm saying something about it because it's nonsense. They've been home for a year and then got pushed up on the rung of people that are eligible for vaccines because, oh, well, the teachers union said, oh, well, they need vaccines before they can go back to work. A grocery store employee that makes $8 an hour, you can go die of COVID. As long as the teachers get their vaccines, the heroes in the school system, everything will be fine. What a freaking joke. You're listening to Against the Norm with Nick Craig. All right, 25 minutes now till the top of the hour. This is Against the Norm. My name is Nick Craig. Thank you for joining me. I was uh, spent some, uh, some, some time downtown this weekend uh, going to some of the uh, bars and restaurants that are now allowed to be open. And of course, as uh, many of you coming back home, I uh, head uh, up towards and uh, take MLK back up towards the uh, Ogden area. And of course, as you're uh, leaving downtown, you see the big mural on the right. Black Lives Matter. It's got lights on it and the whole shebang. Great. Well, just in the past three days, there have been two fatal black-on-black shootings in downtown Wilmington. One of them, which took place on uh, Thursday, was at 2.50 in the afternoon, where a 23-year-old was shot in critical condition. He was taken to the hospital and and then died. Of course, I've heard and seen nothing from the local Black Lives Matter movement, right? The same movement that was uh, intimidating politicians outside of county commission and city council meetings. There's been no conversation there. And then uh, Saturday morning at 1.54 a.m., so Friday night into Saturday morning, a uh, police responded to gunshots around the 800 block of Walnut Street where they found a 29-year-old man who was pronounced dead at the scene. So here we are. Nothing's changed, right? We were told that there needed to be a conversation about Black Lives Matter. 
Okay, great. I agree. Let's have a conversation. Yet there's always complete and utter radio silence whenever there's crime like this. And of course, now what's going on out in, um, out with the, 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 the George Floyd trials going on, the police officer Chauvin is, is they're doing jury selection. They started that last week. And there's actually a George Floyd uh, autonomous zone that is taking place out there. And I've got a bit of a, a, a clip here of a reporter who I believe works for CBS was out in front of the autonomous zone, which by the way, is another, which is a fictitious word. This is, they call it an autonomous zone. They are taking property that they don't own under control. You want to talk about an insurrection? Well, there, here it is right here. You're occupying territory, property, space that you don't own. They don't allow people in and out. They don't allow the police in and out. And then, and then they intimidate people. Let's take a look at this. And I wonder if you saw any clips from the media on this uh, situation that's going on out there. This area behind me uh, is the George Floyd Memorial. This is where George Floyd was killed back in May. Take a look. Um, these barricades have been set up by, uh, by protesters and supporters of the movement. Uh, they don't allow anyone in, not even the police. It's called an autonomous zone. Uh, and you're going to be in a bad situation here in a second. Oh, I thought if we were on this side of the barricade. You're going to be in a bad situation in a second. What do you mean by Because you've been situation? called out for what you are, and you need to get out of here. Please go. We know, what, we know what you are. You need to get in your car and go. We're just media. I don't give a f- who you are. You've been called out for who you are. You need to get in your car and go. All right, so there we go. The uh, the peaceful uh, peaceful uh, protest going on out there. Uh, you're going to be in a bad situation if you don't leave. So threatening harm against uh, people that have the right to be there. Again, I don't know how this is allowed. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how this is. I don't know how the how governments allow this. I mean, it's it, this. Again, we just we just went on months of the left freaking out about a um, a uh, an insurrection that took place on the U.S. Capitol, an insurrection that took place. Yet in Minnesota, you've got the George Floyd Autonomous Zone out in uh, I believe it's out in Portland. They are. There are protests every single night. Uh, courthouses are being firebombed. Zones are being occupied, quote unquote, occupied by protesters. And there's no conversation about it whatsoever. By the way, in the George Floyd Memorial Autonomous Zone, a man was shot and killed. Since the police weren't allow in, allowed in, they had to drag his dead body to the edge of the autonomous zone so that the police could get it so the police could uh, identify the victim and, and, and do something. By the way, of course, the guy was already dead because he was shot. And then police and EMS and first responders aren't allowed in. So it wasn't until the wonderful people in the uh, autonomous zone, the memorial zone, uh, dragged his dead body to the to the edge of the zone that police were able to do anything. So this, I just, I, I, I want to continue to point out 
the complete laughing stock that Black Lives Matter in this whole movement is. It's a joke. There's there was oh, by the way the guy killed in the George Floyd autonomous zone happened to be black. I watched an interview with his um, either his mother or his aunt, and she was like, "I just I don't understand." She was like, "He was shot, and and no and nobody did anything. He he just he was shot, and, and that was it. Police weren't allowed to respond. Nobody was allowed to do anything. Guy bled out on the ground in the autonomous zone in the the George Floyd Memorial Square." Same thing happened out when the the Chaz zone that took out that took place out in was in Washington State last year. They didn't allow the police in. Then there were a whole bunch of crimes committed, rapes, murders. I mean, it's just it's a joke. And the, but there's no conversation about it. You can't. It's another one of these topics that you can't talk about. It's a conversation you're not allowed to. You can't criticize. Any of these movements, any of these groups for their hypocrisy, because if you do it, you already know what happens. You're deemed a racist. If I say, which I will right now on this program, that I don't agree with Black Lives Matter or whoever's behind this George Floyd autonomous zone, I don't agree with them being able to take over city blocks that they don't have property, uh, they don't have ownership over. That makes me a racist. People say no justice, no peace. We're going through justice right now. Chauvin's going to go on trial. The three other cops will be tried after him. They are going through and picking a jury. Unlike any of these people, I actually watched that this week, and it was incredibly interesting. Instead of posting about it on Twitter and Facebook about how upset I am, I actually have been watching it. It's been very interesting to watch the defense and the prosecution go through the jury selection process. It's been fascinating in such a high-profile case. And you want to know one thing that you heard from almost every single juror that they brought up? By the way, the jurors are at this point anonymous. They're not on video. Almost every single one of them had concerns that if a verdict of not guilty came back, that they would be attacked. Their and their family's um, well-being was a top concern for almost everybody. Does Does that strike you the wrong way? It does me. You were afraid to serve on a jury because if you're, you're concerned that if the verdict comes back not guilty, that some of these Antifa and Black Lives Matter thugs are going to come and intimidate you and your family? Well, if we just look at prior events, that indication would probably be pretty true. We've seen the violence. It's As Nancy Pelosi called it, the summer of love. It wasn't the summer of love. It was the summer of cities being burned to the ground by Antifa and Black Lives Matter. It was the summer of riots and looting in the name of justice. This whole thing has been a facade since day one. And now you've got a group of people patrolling a street in Minnesota saying, "Hey, if you don't know, if you don't back up there, you're going to be in pro- you're going you're going to have a pro- you're going to you're going to be in a problem. There's going to be a problem here if you don't back up." The guy goes, "Well, I'm not even in there. Well, I don't care who you are. I don't know. It doesn't matter." If I walked out, if I was standing in the middle of the, the road on which I live on and put a barricade up and threat and did not allow people through and threaten them, the police would come and arrest me. Because first of all, I can't put a barricade in the middle of the road. I don't own it. And second of all, I'm intimidating people. You're not allowed to do that. 
You can't threaten people with violence. It's illegal. You can't do that. I can't threaten to kill you in the middle of the road that I don't own. Now, private property, whole different story. These people don't own this property. This is a street. This is a highway in the middle of a city. But what's being done in Minnesota about it? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Because anybody that wants to speak out against this is deemed a racist. No, I don't agree with city blocks being taken over by violent extremist groups. I don't care what side they're on, left or right. I don't agree with it. I never have. I never will. But God forbid you have that opinion. All hell breaks loose. It's just ridiculous. Final segment of the program, as always, uh, blowing by. You can check out our website, atnshow.com, or you can both get the you can get both the podcast and the video version of the show each and every week. That's atnshow.com. Now, I, you know, like many of you, um, am not a big fan of the Associated Press as they are incredibly biased in their um, reporting and and well, I, I you I don't even think you could call it reporting in a lot of cases. But there was a, a very interesting article published uh, by Brian Anderson at the AP yesterday that I want to read through um, because it actually takes place right here in our backyard. It, the, the, the headline in the title is uh, medically vulnerable in the U.S. put near end of vaccine line. Um, so the, the lady in this uh, post, her name is uh, Ann Camden. So it starts off with when Ann Camden learned last month that her 17-year-old daughter got exposed to the coronavirus at school and was being sent home, she packed her belongings, jumped in her car, and made the two-hour drive to the coast to stay with her recently vaccinated parents. So she lives in Raleigh. Her parents uh, live down here uh, in Wilmington. The 50-year-old mother has been diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer and could not afford to become infected. She also was not yet eligible under North Carolina's rules to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. So she left her twin daughters with her husband and fled for safety. Now, that last part might be a little bit, but um, across the United States, millions of medically vulnerable people who, are, who initially were cited as top vaccination priority groups slowly got bumped down the list as the Center for Disease Control and Prevention modified its guidelines to favor the elderly, regardless of their physical conditions, and workers in wider ranges of the job sector. Which, by the way, I am eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine. I am a remote worker that, that works in IT. Again, this article is like two days old. Um, North Carolina is one of 24 states that currently places people under 65 with underlying medical conditions near the bottom of the pack to receive the vaccine. Um, a report uh, from the foundation last month listed Pennsylvania as the lone state making vaccines available to medically vulnerable people during its first phase of distribution. When North Carolina unveiled its initial guidance in October, it placed people with multiple chronic conditions near the top of the list. Okay, great. So this was back in October. In response to the December recommendations from the CDC to prioritize people 75 and older, however, it dropped those with chronic conditions to phase two. When the guidance changed again 
to expand eligibility to those 65 and up medically vulnerable residents learned in January that they would be dropped to phase four to be vaccinated after frontline essential workers and teachers, but before everyone else. Now, this is from uh, this is from Camden, the, the lady in this story. When they slid us into group four, it was very quiet. It was like, we don't want to talk about it. We're just going to kind of tuck you over there. And that in itself was very insulting. The state's top public health official, everybody's favorite, Dr. Mandy Cohen, says residents under 65 with chronic conditions were moved down the list after health officials received data showing elderly residents are far more likely to die of COVID-19 Though she acknowledged age is not the perfect proxy for risk. So I'm going to stop right there. What, of course, this article leaves out because it, at the end of the day, it is the Associated Press that another reason that people like Miss Camden got moved down on the list is because the teachers unions said the only way that we're going to go back to school and actually do our job. I know crazy thing here that teachers would actually have to do their jobs, but the only way that teachers will have to, will be, will do their jobs is if they get pushed into the priority. So they got moved up to phase three while people like, uh, uh, miss Camden here who has, uh, cancer and you know, isn't, in one of these essential classes gets nothing. Uh, they, they continue to get pu- pushed down the list. Um, back to the, the article here, Camden decided not to wait for the state to qualify her. Just two days after she arrived at her parents' house, a friend connected her with a CVS pharmacist in Wilmington who had spare doses of the vaccine about to go to waste. Camden received a Moderna shot in the pharmacist's dining room on February 21st. It's incumbent on all of us to take it when we can get it, Camden said. I don't want to feel guilty or embarrassed because I was going to get it whenever I could. Um, so the the article goes on and it brings up some other people. But this really shows the issue here. The government in the state, of, and it's not just North Carolina. As the article said, North Carolina is one of just is one of twenty four states that currently has this. They don't. They're not prioritizing people that need it. I mean, I could probably go and get the vaccine next week if I wanted to. I don't know that to be certain. I haven't tried and I'm not going to, but I probably could because I'm considered I'm in that phase three B or whatever it is of uh, frontline essential workers. And I could I could probably get the vaccine. I'm 24. But I'm more eligible than Ann Camden, who is 50 and has breast cancer. So give that one a shot. <laughs> I mean, give, give that one a shot. It's despicable. It's a joke. What, what have our medical professionals been doing for the past year? It's a valid question to ask. I mean, Mandy Cohen even says within her, with even within this, age is not the perfect proxy for risk. Then adjust the guidance. I mean, this lady had to get a vaccine in a somebody's dining room because she couldn't, she wasn't eligible. Adjust the guidance. 
everybody in the, everybody see, seems to admit that there's a problem here, but the people that are in charge, the governor, Mandy Cohen, who have no problems getting up in front of cameras three or four times a week and asking and getting asked the same stupid questions from the News and Observer and WRAL each and every week. They don't have time to adjust the guidance for people like Ann Camden. For people that are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s with cancer. Yet I could go and get a vaccine because I work in IT. A grocery store employee can go and get a vaccine. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, and teachers, the, 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 the heroes of this whole COVID-19 pandemic. All everybody else has had to adjust are heroes in the teaching field. They, of course, are get a priority up on the list. They were eligible before I was. And I've been working the entire time. I didn't have the flexibility to just stay at home and not work. Right? They were able to do that as, our, uh, as, as, as the heroes of COVID-19. They're so brave. So brave to sit on a Zoom meeting for you know two hours a day. Very brave. They got pushed up in the priority because the teachers union lobbied the, 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 the government, lobbied the state, lobbied the governor. But nothing, no conversations, nothing. I mean, Mandy Cohen, again, admits that there's a problem, but I've watched their press briefings. There's no indication that anything's going to change. No indication. So this article, again, this is just one person. And it's amazing that this one person happens to have lived in Raleigh and then now is, it got the, fortunately got the vaccine down in, down in Wilmington, here in Wilmington. But this is just one associated press story. How many tens of thousands of these situations are there all across the United States that are not being shown any, any sight of, uh, of daylight at all? Get no conversation, no media coverage, nothing. And maybe these people aren't as fortunate as, uh, as Miss Camden here. Maybe they aren't as fortunate to have somebody that can get them you know, hooked up with the shot like she did. This whole thing's been about saving lives the entire time. For the past year, it's been about saving lives, saving lives, saving lives, saving lives, over and over and over again. We got to shut down everything. We got to stop commerce to save lives. The vaccine is here, and the people that need it, that are, el- that, that are, that are actually higher at risk, are just being constantly shuffled down the list for interest groups like the teachers' unions and everybody else that's considered a frontline essential worker. So I'll bring back the thing I've said many a times on this program. You're really trusting the government? You really think the government has got your best interest in mind? I've talked we've talked about this for months now on this program. The government has failed you yet again. Yet We still turn to them for all of the answers. We turn to them for everything. We think that they have our best interests in mind. And by this article at the Associated Press, it has been proven yet again that the government is inefficient and ineffective at almost everything. Have a great great week, everybody. See you next time.